Welcome to the Fresh Football Cast. My name is Kyle Floyd, and I am your host for today's show. I am joined by my two co-hosts, Justin Urena and Eric Humphreys, and we will hear from them just in a bit. Uh, today's show will kick off with a review of the biggest action from Game Week 33 in the Barclays Premier League, followed by our patented Wagermeister parlay predictions for this coming weekend's fixtures, and maybe a little bit of Champions League sprinkled in there. But uh, without further ado, let's get right into it. And uh, we'll start with none other than Leicester City, the league leaders at the moment who uh, on Sunday made uh, their statement and went 10 points clear before the kickoff of the Tottenham game uh, later that afternoon and uh, did it by a scoreline of 2 to nothing. Uh, Sunderland uh, just more and more being piled on to them at the moment. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and let Eric take this one off. I mean, uh, Jamie Vardy with two goals after a bit of a a goal-scoring drought, and and he really came through for Leicester. I mean, what was your takeaway from this one? So, I mean, Leicester pretty much did what you'd expect them to do. When you're looking at Sunderland, I think the most disappointing thing is that you have Fabio Barini, who's, I'd say, a proven player, at least a Premier League quality player, who who missed multiple good chances. And uh, nothing compares to the uh, miss that Jack Rodwell had, uh, probably in like the 84th minute. And it's just the kind of thing where Schmeichel was left for dead, it was a deflection. It would have been lucky, but if you're down in Norwich and you want to get out of the relegation zone, you absolutely have to finish it, no matter if it's your backup goalkeeper or Jack Rodwell. And it just wasn't good enough. Typical from Sunderland. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that chance from Rodwell was when the scoreline was only 1-0, I believe. Is it would have tied it up. Yeah, yeah, it would have tied it up. Vardy didn't score a second until like the 95th. Yep, and uh, I'll tell you what, I think that was Patrick Van Onholt who just kind of fell over when Vardy was pressuring him at, at midfield there, and that's just horrible defending. And if I'm being honest, that's something we've seen a lot from from him this year. While he's been uh, fantastic going forward, he hasn't offered a whole lot in defense, and you saw it again there. Um, but I, uh, I I made my prediction on Predicta this week, uh, yet another 1-0. Uh, this would have been, I think, the fifth 1-0 result in a row, and it was so close, but... But Vardy getting that late goal, uh, four minutes into stoppage time, um, and he's actually close to Harry Kane right now, I believe, for the Golden Boot. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But Justin, I'll, I'll just get you real quick. Overall, what were your thoughts on this match for Leicester City and for Sunderland uh, heading into their uh, last few games in this relegation battle? Well, really, for me, this this match kind of summed up my thoughts on Leicester recently. They're they're not particularly uh, fun to watch. Uh, they don't really attack with any sort of vigor or verve. I thought Sunderland actually were playing fairly well in this match, and I thought they had the better of the play for uh, a good long while. But like Eric said, they they just don't have a, a real capable goal scorer other than Defoe, who was basically marked out of the match. Uh, and a midfield of Lee Cattermole, Jan Vila, and Jan Kirchhoff, while defensively solid, is, is not going to pick anybody open with a pass. Uh, so... I don't think Leicester ever really felt threatened by Sunderland. They, you know, they did what they do. They defended well, and, and they hit uh, Sunderland on on two counterattacks, and that pretty much sums it up perfectly. Uh, last thing I think here before we move on, uh, it's interesting you brought up Jan Kirchhoff, Justin, and in a team surrounded by. Uh, lack of talent, I guess you could say, and a team that's just been uh, missing the target most of the time this season. 
What are your guys' thoughts, uh, both Eric and Justin, what are your thoughts on Jan Kirchhoff? Uh, I, I was pretty impressed in this game, but uh, have you seen more of this this season from him, or, or is he just a typical bottom-of-the-half uh, kind of player, bottom-of-the-table kind of player? I, I think I could see Kirchhoff being the kind of player who could possibly pair with like a Sandy Cazorla type, if that makes sense, or a Cesc Fabregas, and that he won't do anything astounding, but he'll do the work defensively. He's capable in terms of switching the field. He just won't do anything special. So in the defensive midfield, especially in the heart of the field where you want your deep-lying playmakers to sit, you'd have to pair him with somebody pretty special for him to break into a truly good team. But he's just hes a solid mid-table player, doesn't really make very many mistakes, and that makes him a lone wolf on Sunderland as of now. Yeah, it's probably the kind of player that uh, Sam Allardyce likes to to sure things up at the back, but uh, they were just unable to do it against and the... Sunder- but Sunderland needed it, too. They've looked much better since he's been in the team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It just seems like that this game kind of summed up uh, their issues as of late, uh, just not being able to get on the score sheet. Uh, Defoe missing and, and Barini, as you said, and Van Onhold has been a while since he, since he scored, I believe. So uh, that's kind of been the main issue for them lately, and, and they're really going to have to get their shooting boots on uh, coming up uh, if they want to try to stay in the league. Um, as for Leicester, that put them at 72 points uh, through 33 played. And uh, just before Tottenham Man U kicked off, uh, Tottenham on 62, uh, trying to put the pressure on Leicester to, to, to try to get a title uh, chance here. And, and United, obviously, in their battle for fourth place in Champions League football next season. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Spurs really came through this week and, and really showed their medal and showed what they're what they're all about and uh, really dominated this match, if I'm being honest, and won 3-0. I I mean, I'm not sure if there's a whole lot to discuss here uh, in terms of Tottenham. It's not a whole lot new. Um, uh, And doing it without uh, a goal from Harry Kane at that. But, uh, Eric, I'll just get your thoughts real quick. I mean, is this game a case of of United playing poorly or or are Tottenham that good and and United really haven't been – the type of team to be where they're at right now on the table. What are your thoughts? To be completely honest, I don't really think that Tottenham got the better of this game. Uh, For the first 45 minutes, I mean, it looked like it was Tottenham that was stuck in traffic. It just, it wasn't good enough in the first half. We had a heroic performance from Fosu Mensa, and I don't think it's any type of coincidence that as soon as he came off the field, they scored three in quick succession. He was, my Fosu Mensa was the best player on the field for the time that he was actually able to be on the field. And it just shows you, once again, the depth issues at Man United due to the injuries. And the back line right now is being held together by Fosu Mensa's what? Under 20 years old. And obviously, Chris Smalling was solid. Blind was back to being daily blind. Uh, no more heroics against Romelu Lukaku this week. He was atrocious again. And it was just categorized by their mistakes. As soon as they have one thing go wrong whether it be the motto red card in weeks past or whether it be Fosu Mensa getting hurt, they buckle. And it always inevitably ends up with David De Gea just in a shrugging motion because he's like, what the hell am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, it, uh, a lot put on De Gea there, and uh, obviously you can't put very much of the blame on him. But, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Justin, uh, I'll just get your thoughts real quick um, on this one. I mean, uh, do you agree with Eric? Do you think that uh, United were uh, maybe hard done by the scoreline. I mean, if you look at some of the statistics here, uh, Spurs, while they had less of the, less of the ball, they put uh, th- 
over three times as many shots uh, out there and and eight times as many on target with eight shots on target and, and United's only only having one. Uh, I mean, what were your thoughts on this? Do you agree with Eric? Um, in a in a sense, I do think that Spurs started the game uh, a lot more poorly than we're used to seeing. Uh, they did have the best chance of the first half. Eric Lamella, who had a wonderful game, uh, it's it's hard to knock him for missing this chance, but that header he had really should have been scoring. Um, but United, for me, are, are just just toothless again. Um, and, you know, we, we don't really know why Marcus Rashford came off at halftime, but if you're going to put on Ashley Young for Marcus Rashford, then... Why isn't Anthony Martial going up top? Uh, Ashley Young at striker is probably the worst tactical decision I've seen from a manager, maybe ever. Uh, I mean, it's it's up for discussion. Um, and then after, you know, like Eric pointed out, that United had to start going to the bench, uh, Tottenham were able to turn it on, and, and that six-minute stretch was something to behold. And... You know, Spurs are the better team, and and the scoreline shows it in the end. Certainly. Um, well, before we move on, I just want to look uh, ahead. At, now that we've discussed the two uh, teams really left in the title race here, I'm just looking at uh, Spurs fixtures uh, for the remainder of the season. Uh, they have Stoke, uh, West Brom, Chelsea, Southampton, and Newcastle. Uh, and looking at Leicester's remaining fixtures, they have West Ham, Swansea, Man U, Everton, and Chelsea. Uh, I just want to hear from each of you guys real quick. Uh, is it too little too late for Spurs? Uh, have have Leicester put enough of a cushion between them to hold it out for the rest of the season? Or do you see Spurs uh, sticking with uh, the good results and maybe Leicester sputtering a little bit? Uh, or or is it is it all said and done? Uh, Eric, we'll start with you. I will say nothing on the title race. Absolutely. We can't get anything. We can't get a little bit of a hint as to what you're feeling, or do you just honestly not know? Leicester have a chance to win. Oh, and you don't, I know, you and don't want to jinx I it. I will not jinx them. All right, fair enough. Uh, but I think I know where you're leaning. Uh, Justin, do you have the, uh, are, you, are you superstitious at all, or are you going to be able to tell us something here? I am totally neutral. Um, I think Spurs are going to come up excruciatingly short by three points or less. Does that mean uh, that they'll basically win out? I mean, you can't really see Leicester losing a majority of the I games left. I think drawing a majority of the games left. Drop points in two matches. Okay, fair enough. And then that means that Tottenham will really have to really have to win just about every single game on the way out. Um, that's fair. Um, well, I, we'll have to certainly see, and, and as for United, uh, I'm sure we'll discuss it maybe a little bit later after we talk about the other teams involved uh, in the race for fourth place, but certainly uh, dropping points here, and that helps uh, those in, in Sky Blue, on the Sky Blue side of Manchester, as well as the West Ham Hammers, but uh, I guess we can go ahead and segue right into that one. Uh, quite a start to the weekend. Saturday morning's match was... Uh, a six-goal thriller, West Ham versus Arsenal uh, at the Bowling Ground. And and uh, wouldn't you know it, Andy Carroll with a fantastic hat trick and really kind of uh, bossed Arsenal 
uh, out of this one. But Arsenal did well to to stick with it. And uh, boys, what were your thoughts, Justin? I guess I'll start with you since I've been starting with Eric so far. Um, I mean, this was a thriller. I I know that uh, I remember you said you didn't end up getting up early enough for this one, but I'm sure you saw all the highlights. Uh, what what did you think of this one? Um. My first thought is that Andy Carroll has somehow made his already atrocious haircut worse. But other than that, uh, for me, Arsenal are are shambolic, despite how good West Ham have been this season. When you take a 2-0 lead away from home, it, you at least have to get to halftime with that 2-0 lead. And, and to give up uh, the two goals they did, uh, even the second one being kind of a lucky deflection off Carroll's first terrible attempt with his right foot. Um, you can't you can't be giving up those two goals if, if you're still going to say that you have a shout in the title race, which we thought they didn't, uh, and they most certainly do not now. Uh, they just don't defend well enough. Uh, they think once they get up by two goals that they can just go into their cruise control mode, and, and it's killed them in the past, and it, it killed them again today because West Ham... Uh, have shown all season that they will fight until the bitter end every single match. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, I think I tweeted about it. I, for some reason, I was feeling maybe a Payet go-ahead goal at the end. If anybody was going to do it, it was going to be him since he hadn't been on the score sheet yet today. Uh, but uh, Eric, real quick, uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts. I mean, I'll be honest, watching this, I was I was fairly um, impressed by West Ham and thought that maybe they deserved more from this one. Uh, they had a goal called uh, uh, called off for offsides, uh, Manuel Lanzini, which was incorrectly done so uh, by quite a, a big margin. It was about two uh, or three yards. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> not, it was. It was definitely an awkward circumstance, I guess. But as a linesman, that's your job is to be paying attention to just those guys and and where the ball is. So, uh, I mean, despite the fact that that had been called off, um, do you think that? Uh, well, I mean, I guess. Uh, considering it do you think that West Ham deserved the full three points here or uh is a draw a fair fair scoreline well I'll ask you a philosophical question here Kyle we'll get oh, you talking boy. about something here <laughs> do you deserve a Christmas gift I think so I think I've been pretty good okay then yeah I guess West Ham should have taken the three points that Arsenal tried to give them after they went up 2-0 <laughs> I mean West Ham looked like the fifth or sixth best team in the Premier League Arsenal, for the first 30 minutes of the game, when things were unimportant, looked like the best team in the world, and then they just got lazy, <laughs> and they just don't have the quality to turn it off like Barcelona can when they're up 4-0, or at least in past weeks for Barcelona. We'll talk a little bit about them later. But they just can't turn it off, and they did. Andy Carroll, of all people, who would have thought, punished them for it, and they were lucky to come back, so I think... I think I'll say West Ham congrats. I mean, I don't really know what to make of this game. Besides <laughs> the fact that I, at the start of the season, and felt this way for a while, I thought that Arsenal needed another winger, and they don't anymore. That's the oh, only thing you, I've learned in recent. You got that right. Awobi uh, uh, is disgusting. He's nasty. He is ridiculously good. And if they let him go or bring in somebody else, I might actually harm myself because he has pretty much been the best player on their team for the past couple weeks. Or if they start Alex Oxlade, Chamberlain, or Theo Walcott if over him. they anymore. ever start Theo Walcott in a game that isn't a Capital One Cup over Awobi, I might actually murder Arsene Wenger. 
Yeah, we uh, we are all aware of your uh, concerns, and we've got the uh, the suicide hotline ready for you. Appreciate um, that. Yeah, always looking out for you, Eric. Uh, but uh, rightfully said, I mean, Alex Awobi came through with two assists in this game, and uh, he's also got a couple of goals in recent weeks, so he's playing very well at the moment for Arsenal, but just not enough to get the three points, and West Ham probably are a little bit more um, upset that they didn't uh, clinch the extra points there uh, in their battle for fourth place alongside United. Um, so, but uh, we will use that transition and, and just go over the the third game here that involved uh, either uh, title implications or or Champions League implications. And uh, we'll go ahead and look at uh, Man City uh, pulling out a victory at home against West Brom. And uh, if I'm being honest, we're a tad bit lucky to do so. Not that they. Uh, not that they played poorly, but they just really didn't have that uh, extra edge, I didn't think, going forward and were uh, able to snag a goal uh, by the return of Samir Nasri, Samir Slim Shady Nasri, as we so affectionately refer to him, and uh, clinched the three points for them. Uh, Sessegnon had quite a goal at the beginning. Eric, I, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Did you uh, did you think Joe Hart could have done better there, or, or was he maybe uh, was the was view of the ball obstructed? I don't think it could see it. And on a shot like that, with that kind of pace, if you can't see it and it's from 18 yards out, then you're never going to save it. That ball was in the back of the net like a blink of an eye. You need every millisecond possible for your eyes to catch that. And if he couldn't see it, which I don't think he could, there's no possible way unless it hit him in the face he was going to save that. Yeah, it was, and it was taken from uh, a bit of a tight angle to I certainly, have caught him off guard. I certainly wasn't expecting him to rip it from there. I'm yeah, going to be honest. It, with I mean his his body positioning I mean he was almost facing the opposite direction when he swung his right boot around and and really caught it sweetly and it was uh, positioned perfectly just past Joe Hart but um, Aguero obviously getting a penalty a, a, a tad bit after that before the first half and uh, and Samir Nasri getting a goal and and quite a return for him he's I, I believe he had an assist in his uh, in his first game back and now a now a goal and. Uh, Justin, going forward uh, for City, uh, I guess we'll discuss this a little bit because uh, as a whole, this game didn't have a whole lot to offer. But for City uh, to get three points was big, and for West Ham to uh, to drop two and for United to drop three, it kind of uh, increases City's chances uh, to, to secure that fourth-place spot. Uh, do you think that they can stay there or even maybe jump Arsenal, who also dropped this weekend? I think they could jump Arsenal personally. Um you know, we we've we've seen poor form from City in the league. I I think that this recent success in the Champions League is gonna uh, help them uh, wake up a bit because it seemed like they had fallen asleep. But I think uh, being back in, in the Champions League and having success is is gonna help their league form tremendously. Of the uh, of the two below them at the moment, Man U in fifth and and West Ham in sixth. Uh, both of them, or all three of them, excuse me, have all played 32. And uh, United is four back of City and just one above West Ham. So, I mean, United and West Ham are very similar circumstances right now who actually play each other in the league uh, once and and uh, are in a uh, FA Cup uh, battle at the moment too. Uh, of those two, Eric, uh, who poses a bigger threat threat to City, West Ham or Man U? They're, out of that group of three teams that we just talked about, there is one team that poses a threat to Man City. I think I know what you're going to say. It's Manchester City. Yep. They're the most talented team in the league from top to bottom. I mean, they're dirt old. 
They are so old. But <laughs> Manchester United is injured. Manchester United, like we talked about before, has a manager who played Ashley Young at forward on his lonesome. And West Ham have not a great schedule coming up, and they've kind of seen their form dip, probably to where they actually belong. And uh, it turns out that Dimitri Payet can't hit nasty free kicks every week. So I don't really see either of those teams really having a huge chance to catch Man City unless Man City goes into full tank mode and they drop like 10 points in the next six games, let's say, or something that just realistically probably shouldn't happen. Yeah, well, and and it probably the, the chances of that are probably much more slim now that uh, the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, who I know we are all uh, very keen of and, and has been playing... That- terrific that'll help the league for him too oh it's yeah i mean he has been playing terrific football all season without any signs of of that uh fading at all um and uh and as as i said before samir nasri's return has uh given them a little bit extra going forward as well and sterling should be returning to fitness shortly uh and maybe we could see company by the end of the season who knows uh with you know the euros and everything coming up but um company obviously if they can get him back will also be a big boost uh but uh that is about it for the biggest matches of the weekend i think we're going to kind of just do a bit of a rapid fire here uh let one of us discuss each of these remaining fixtures and uh and we will uh get moving with those so that we can have time to do our wager meister and maybe a little bit of champions league uh, along the way so let's go ahead and start real quick with watford versus everton um, I'll let uh, either one of you guys, whoever feels uh, like they would like to take this one, go ahead and tell us what happened and what were your overall thoughts. Uh, my thoughts are that these two teams are in the lower mid-table and uh, they are firmly entrenched on the beach. <laughs> well, I and know Roberto that... Martinez should not be Everton's manager anymore. Well, they there, there were fans. There were uh, quite a few fans that agree with you, Justin. I, I saw some signs that were asking for Martinez to be sacked. Um, but we we saw a rare goal from somebody other than Dini or Agallo, uh in the form of Jose Holabas, the defender, uh, getting a goal um, for uh, to, to equalize for Everton, actually, and or excuse me for for Watford. Um, and I I know that. Of all the games that happened this weekend, Justin and I did fairly well uh, predicting scores and predicting the results, and uh, this was one that we got correctly on the draw, and and neither team really looked like they had a whole lot to play for anymore. So, um, But uh, let's move forward to uh, Aston Villa versus Bournemouth. Uh, another one that we predicted correctly, seeing as Bournemouth actually are good and Villa just simply aren't. Uh, Eric, uh, I will let you discuss Matt Ritchie and Bournemouth in all its glory and give us your overall thoughts on this match. Since it's rapid fire, I don't even know if I want to bring up Matt Ritchie because I just won't have enough time to do his just unfeathered, <laughs> just beauty. It's just pure beauty and imagination justice. Um, <laughs> I think you did pretty well right there. I mean, Aston Villa took a throw in and basically threw it to Bournemouth. <laughs> to go score a goal. I mean, does that summarize the game? Like they just gave Josh King a goal. They said and we're the white. they said we're down 1-0. We might actually be playing okay enough to tie this game. So we'll throw you a ball so you can score a breakaway. So if we manage to get that one goal, we still lose. And that's Aston Villa. 
Is um, the game summed up by the white handkerchiefs in the crowd? Yeah, I mean, if I were, I don't know why they're still showing up. Honestly, I um, I, I saw way more people in that in those stands than I expected to. To be honest with you, yeah, I mean, good for them for still supporting the club. And I mean, if Chelsea were to stick in the relegation battle like they were like five months ago, I would want to go to a game just to <laughs> just to heckle them. You know what I mean? So I guess I understand yeah. that portion of it. But Aston Villa are atrocious. Bournemouth did not play particularly well in this game, but against Aston Villa, it's always too easy, and that's what they yeah. did. Yeah, well, good. That's uh, I think that's just about enough about uh, that one. Let's move to Crystal Palace versus Norwich. Uh, Justin, I will. Uh, I'll let you take this one. What What were your thoughts on the match here? Uh, it it wasn't a very high quality match. Uh, Crystal Palace continued to be quite wasteful uh jason punchin had a wonderful goal uh i <laughs> eric and i were t- we were talking about this in the group chat uh, the fact that the announcers claimed that punchin had saved their season uh was one of the biggest overstatements of all time uh <laughs> eric made the point that when you're fifth at christmas they were so good before, and they're just bailing them so out what? by creating some sort of false narrative where they deserve to be down low, and there's some little club fighting. They have legitimately good players, and they just suck. But yep. go ahead, Justin. Finish it off. Yeah, they uh, they deserve nothing. They've saved nothing. They have saved themselves from being embarrassed that they should be in a relegation fight. Uh, and that's about it. Uh, Norwich, I thought they were pretty poor in this one but when when Sunderland's fighting you you can afford to be poor maybe once or twice down the stretch yeah well I uh I I think that uh we discussed the commentator statements just a tad bit uh we elaborated and uh, think that he may have meant that Punchin saved next season for Palace considering that they are getting dangerously close to being in a relegation battle and this was almost a relegation six-pointer but Palace doing well that's, to uh, to further themselves. That's, that's fine, but commentator hyperbole is a bit, uh, a Dra- bit much these days. Yeah, well, drama sells, so that's the kind of stuff that people want to get excited about. But uh, Norwich, having had a, a decent run of form, uh, trying to battle themselves, to battle their way out of, of relegation, uh, are now um, kind of back in it at the moment. Uh, but four points clear of Sunderland while they have a game in hand, so... Uh, it's still not done for Norwich, and, and they still have quite a bit of work ahead of them. Uh, next up, uh, we will discuss Liverpool versus Stoke. I know we uh, this was a, somewhat of a, a, a decent turnout for Liverpool and uh, getting uh, four goals to Stoke's one. Eric, I'll let you go ahead and discuss this one. I think as a Liverpool fan, you have to be excited about the fact that they got away with starting Joe Allen, Stewart, and Shea Ojo throughout the midfield. And they still looked very good. Uh, I thought Ojo actually showed quite well for himself. He absolutely unrobed Shakiri on the sideline, managed to play a ball across for an easy goal. I thought that Liverpool looked good. Once again, it's a classic Klopp side. I think that Klopp is the best manager in the world. And I think that with one summer transfer window here, he will fix the Mignolet problem. He will add in Goza. He will add in Matip. He will add in other players of that ilk. And when you look at who they already have in Sturridge, I mean, Divock Origi has been absolutely fantastic. The bones are there for this team to be good. And I am going to go out on a limb and say they will finish top four next year. 
How about this year, gentlemen? I, I was just looking at the table here because Liverpool have two games in hand on uh, on the likes of Tottenham and Leicester, only one in hand with Arsenal, City, and United. But they're sitting on 48 points right now, and you could easily say before this game that these two teams may be looking forward to next season, uh, having been kind of uh, locked in, in mid-table for most of the season. But uh, this is a statement win for Liverpool, and, and if you give them six points out of their two games in hand... Uh, that puts them on 54 points and uh, right in there for the battle for for top four. Uh, no. I, mean, I mean, I know it's a long shot, but they're definitely showing that they care uh, and that they're trying, I think. Uh, Justin, it sounds like I already know your answer. No. Um, what about Europa League, gentlemen? I mean, can they make the Europa League then? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Okay. I, I well, actually... The more I look at it, the more I think that Liverpool is going to possibly unseat West Ham. Because I don't know how, but Manchester United keeps winning. Every time I count them out, they'll win a 1-0 game with one shot on goal against Crystal Palace. Away from Like, I don't know. I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen, but they'll, they'll win somehow. I just, well, yeah. So it'll be really interesting to see who gets that spot out of Liverpool, West Ham, and Man U. But for some, I just have this feeling in my gut that it's going to be Liverpool. At least one of the teams will be Liverpool, so we'll see. Yeah, well, there's definitely a lot of uh, storylines still to come, and and as I said earlier, West Ham United is a game I'm looking forward to, and uh, Liverpool surely will as well. Um, but uh, discussing the uh, probably the only other team in discussion for uh, Europa League qualification would be would be Southampton, and uh, they came through with a three-one win against Newcastle, who just look absolutely toothless at the moment, except. Andres Townsend, who scored yet another fantastic goal with his left foot. Um, Justin, let's get your thoughts on on this one real quick. Well, how many times do I have to say week after week that Steven Taylor is a regular starter for Newcastle? What do you? What about what, uh, what about uh, Anita playing left back? Was that? I, was well, we've we've gone over all this. <laughs> I mean, they 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 just don't have any defenders, like. Yes, Rafa Benitez is not the best manager in the world, but he's a competent enough manager, and there's nothing to work with on this team. And not to mention the fact that even if they're not good enough, John Joe Shelby is the guy that's supposed to, you know, ratchet up the the, the charges and get them fired up. This team is a disaster. <laughs> and you know, if Aston Villa weren't so bad, I think Newcastle would be the laughing stock of the league. And you know, Southampton had had to do nothing to win this game. It just came so easily for them. Well, uh, make sure you take everything, as, as I say here, with a grain of salt. But uh, I think that the forwards for Southampton have looked very good all season. You see goals from uh, Pella and Shane Long in this one. And they obviously have Sadio Mane and, and uh, Charlie Austin as well. Uh, a lot of options at, at striker. Do you see, uh, well, I guess of those... Uh, four listed. I mean, we've obviously seen that Mane is linked with uh, moves away from Southampton, but uh, do you think that Southampton are going to get picked clean yet again this year and, and more specifically at the forward position? Uh, I only think Mane is a guy that teams are going to look to buy, personally. Yep. I agree. What about, uh, I mean, obviously lower lower table teams will maybe looking to uh, to to purchase one of those other guys, no? They won't. In, I think, in that situation, Southampton aren't going to sell to a team below them. And with the TV money coming in, they 
will only sell for a very high bid now. If you think that Southampton's been getting outrageous transfer fees for the players that they've groomed, just wait now that everyone has TV money. Yeah, they might sell Shane Long if, I don't know, Watford loses a Gallo and they want to pay $30 million for him. But I just can't see them selling any of those guys to a team below them. Mane is the guy with the potential to be a consistent starter and a game changer for a top four side if he's in form, which, you know, Sadio Mane, so you never know. And uh, I actually think the Southampton is going to add Oxlade-Chamberlain in the summer. And all of a sudden, Oxlade-Chamberlain at 22 for a Southampton side, that's a move I like for them. I don't like, <laughs> like Oxlade-Chamberlain for Arsenal and the style of game that they play, but when all else fails... Being able to play Shane Long through and being able to play Oxlade-Chamberlain through. And then if that fails, you can just kick it to Pella's head. There's potential there. <laughs> we'll see. Alrighty, well, I think that's just about enough about that one. We just have one left here, and oh my goodness, I'm joined no, by two. This game didn't happen. I'm joined by two Chelsea fans, and I know they can't wait to talk about this one. Uh, last and certainly least, Swansea versus Chelsea. Swansea coming through with a shocking 1-0 victory. Um... I guess whoever wants to take this one, if at all. Uh, but, I mean, Chelsea obviously decided they didn't want to show up for this one, and Matt Miazga decided he really wanted to get his first Premier League assist and did so to Jilfie Sigurdsson. Um, anybody, any takers on, on what went wrong for Chelsea? Um, I mean, on that play, I know that when you look at it, you're going to see Matt Miazga, but... I mean, unless Bronislav, and we can't hear it, obviously, <laughs> unless he is shouting bloody murder, he should be the one trying to win that ball. So either we're going to say that Matt Miazga doesn't have working ears, or once again, Bronislav hasn't been nearly as good in the middle as he wants. Now, no matter what, Miazga can't place a header there. It doesn't matter whether or not Bronislav is calling for it or not. But if Bronislav communicates there, as, gee, I don't know, the captain of the defense should, then maybe that doesn't happen. And it's just, once again, just shows <laughs> what Chelsea have been doing all year. Matt Miazga wins a header, places it directly in the middle. Who's marking the most dangerous man on the field? Which some would argue is the person with the ball, but on Swansea, that's not at all true. It's always Jofie Sigurdsson. It doesn't matter if he's on the bench. It doesn't matter if he's changing his pants at halftime. I would be all up in that, literally, for 90 minutes. <laughs> However you want to space it off, that's all you need to do is mark Jofie Sigurdsson. And yet... John Obi Mikel is probably doing neat juggling tricks, thinking that he's John Obi Messi, and Goose is sitting there playing Duck Duck Goose with him, and they're just having the time <laughs> of their lives because they're best friends apparently, and he can't realize that John Obi Mikel's terrible. Pato uh... looks like Pato. Triore comes on the field and looks aimless. I didn't even know that Falcao was still alive. I literally thought I went to his funeral earlier. I swear, if you gave me five minutes, I could find the folder the information from that funeral and I could give it to you. I could get off work with that. <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. Pedro was bad. Uh, Oscar looked good in a game that doesn't matter. Uh, Baba Raman looked great in a game that doesn't matter. Azpilicueta was literally the definition of a 6 out of 10. Every single game. Never great. Always decent. Begovic looks like the best player on our team. He's our backup goalie. <laughs> I hate everything about everything. You know, you know what? Ruben Loftus-Cheek actually looked pretty decent again. I thought he looked pretty good. So, hooray, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I hope he gets transferred somewhere good. So, 
we had some deaths and some rebirths uh, for Chelsea. Uh, that was just what we all wanted to hear is just a bit of rant from, from a Chelsea supporter. And Justin, I, I, I feel like Eric spoke for the both of you guys. I don't know if there's anything else that you want to add there. My my only rebuttal is that I think Oscar looked terrible again, and nobody will hit a pass as poorly as Oscar does. I, I've never seen a, a number ten that misplaces as many easy passes as Oscar. He now he like his ball. You did preface that by saying a number ten, but Oscar was on the right side of the field today. But now so he's playing would, on the. But now he's playing on the wing. I would I would liken that to a Jesus Navas type. Oh, Jesus Navas yeah, plays you guys some, just want to bring me into it now, don't he you? He plays some pretty awful crosses, man. They're pretty oh, bad. You don't have to tell me. But what all I'm referencing is the little five yard passes that Oscar always seems like he wants to chip up in the air. Yeah, I just. Uh, oh, I think I think we could, boys. I think we could fill a whole show about you guys yep. ranting on Chelsea. But that was my point. I I'm, hate Oscar I'm, so much. I'm just gonna have to cut you guys just a little bit short there. Um, and, uh, let's, uh, I, I believe that's the last match of the, of this past weekend. So, um, let's go ahead and discuss a little bit of the champions league, uh, results over the past two weeks and, and, uh, the shocking, uh, Manchester city victory over PSG over two legs. And, uh, they are through to the semifinals. Not only was it their first time in the quarterfinals, but it's obviously now their first time in the semifinals. And it's a little bit odd, but as a City fan, I am ecstatic, uh, though I will say I'm hesitant to expect anything more. But, uh, gentlemen, what were your thoughts on on Manchester City's uh, victory over PSG and, and uh, as underdogs? Uh, Eric, I'll start with you. I, I just want to start off by saying that if PSG played to any type of level that they're actually capable of, I think that this particular Manchester City side with KDB kind of feeling his way back into the lineup and obviously he scored and Kevin De Bruyne's a great player with company out with some players maybe not on their best form even with Aguero missing a penalty kick they should have won this tie and that's not to take anything away from Manchester City who I thought earned it in terms of how they played it's me simply looking at the talent of PSG how they've strung games yep. together in the past and I know that it's sometimes it's against a French league but they've looked just as impressive against European competition as well and, I mean, Zlatan, Zlatan said it after the game. Uh, he talked about Laurent Blanc getting the tactics wrong, and I think he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he went too defensive. Serge Aurier not only made a homosexual reference about Laurent Blanc, but has also looked terrible recently. And he just blindly threw him out there again, and he looked bad. Gregory Vanderwill did not look good. I just Some of the decisions from Blanc startled me a little bit. And, I mean, not having David Luiz and his $60 million transfer fee on the field and not having Matt Tweedy and not having Verratti, it really hurt them. Robbie all played well, but I didn't. I was not impressed with Thiago Mata at all. That being said, well, good for City. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that uh, I have to agree that PSG were not playing their very best, but uh, City definitely, especially in the second leg, I think got their tactics right. I think they saw that the counterattack – worked very well against them in the first leg despite uh, drawing the first leg uh, and, and they exploited that in the second one and you saw them kind of conceding possession even at home to PSG to, to hit on the counter. Um, Justin, I, bef- before we move to the next games here, I want to get your thoughts on uh, what was maybe a bit of a surprise performance from uh, two center backs who have g- caught a lot of uh, criticism this season. Otamendi and Mangala um, seem to really uh, neutralize Zlatan and, and PSG's attack. What were your thoughts on, on the two center halves performances? 
No, you said it perfectly. I thought there was uh, a moment in the first leg where they got caught way too high up the field, and, but Ibra completely blew the one-on-one with Joe Hart. And, and other than that, you said it best. They were solid, uh, and they did a job. And, you know, I think, like Eric said, Pellegrini outdueled yeah. uh, Blanc tactically. Well, the thing is, and, is that he didn't even go over the top with some sort of crazy maneuver like maybe Pep Guardiola switches from a 4-2-3-1 to a 3-5-2 against certain opponents. He just didn't get it wrong. Laurent Blanc got it so wrong, and it's just disappointing. Mm-hmm. 25 points up in the French League that this is all they have to show for it. They're- well, uh, certainly uh, they they uh, needed a goal in the second leg, and I was surprised that they uh, went with a little bit of a more uh, defensive approach with a Five defenders on the field, having missed Louise and Matuidi, but uh, definitely didn't work out very well for them. And uh, City are through to the semis. So uh, we will discuss some of the other matches here real quick. Uh, we had Barcelona and Atletico Madrid, another maybe shocking result. Atleti kind of being Barcelona's kryptonite, if there ever was uh, such a thing for Barcelona over the past few seasons, but uh, really giving Barcelona more troubles and uh, proved good for the win. So, uh, Eric, let's start with you real quick. Uh, are you impressed by Atleti, or are you more so uh, not so impressed with the way that Barcelona played? I think it's a combination of Barcelona hitting a poor run of form at the worst time in their season. I mean, they have gone from they haven't lost in, what, 39 games <laughs> to they've, they're trying their best to bungle La Liga, and now they're out to Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. It's a stunning fall from grace for what I'd still say is probably on their best, the best team in the world. In terms of Atletico, they have been, they probably will be five years from now. They are the team that pretty much always provides the best consistent chance to actually beat Barcelona. Even better than Real Madrid, even better than Bayern, even though they're not as good, Simeon gets the tactics right every time. They have been crafted. Every time. They have been crafted to beat Barcelona, and that's exactly what they did. And it's hilarious because a year ago, you're talking about Eden Hazard going somewhere for 100 million euro, and then we bring in Antoine Griezmann for 40 million euro. Might want to flip-flop those. Might want to flip-flop those totals because Antoine Griezmann looked like the best player in the world today, if not for a slightly taller, slightly more tan man over on the other side of Madrid. But we'll get to him later. And, <laughs> oh, I, I'll just uh, and and I'll just, I'll just say one more thing. I apologize for going on late, but it's just it's, it's so much fun to watch games like this. If Saul does not go to Euro 2016 with Spain, I might still kill kill Arsene Wenger. He's not related to this at all. He has nothing <laughs> to do with it, but I just might go through with it because mm-hmm. he has been so good recently. Justin, go ahead. No, yeah, no, I'll just add on because, you know, Eric summed it up perfectly. I think Atleti deserved to advance uh, based on how they played in the two legs, despite Fernando Torres's utter stupidity in the first leg. But I think there's been a lot of debate over time that there isn't necessarily a best defender in the world. and Defending has lost uh, its kind of pizzazz, if you will. But uh, Diego Godin is the best defender in the world. And, and Atletico Madrid are the best defending team in the world, uh, and it's not even close. I uh, I couldn't agree more about Godin. I'll tell you what, uh, since the storylines came up last year about City being linked with him, uh, I was extremely excited, and I still am hopeful that maybe City will be able to secure somebody like him 
Um, but I know plenty of other teams feel the exact same way. And he has been terrific, uh, really, without any signs of, of slowing that up. But let's discuss the other two here real quick. Uh, Bayern and Benfica just wrapped up today uh, before us recording as well. And uh, Benfica really given Bayern a bit of a scare, if not for uh, some some early goals for Bayern. But uh, the game ended up finishing with an aggregate score of 3-2, of to two, I believe. And uh, Bayern are through, and it's what we expected. But uh, going into the semifinals, are you guys convinced that that Bayern can uh, can give Guardiola a Champions League win before he heads out, or or do they really lack the uh, the ability to do so? Eric, I'll start with you. Uh, here's how I feel about this game. If Pep Guardiola didn't care enough to start Robert Lewandowski, then I don't even care enough to talk about it. There it is. Oh. He okay. literally didn't start one of the best strikers in the world, and they still went through. Either he is a complete idiot, or he is some sort of otherworldly genius. And sometimes I teeter between which one he is, but they won, so genius it is. I hope it's I hope it's that one, uh, Justin. Real quick, what are your thoughts? You know, their biggest their biggest obstacle in their way is now out uh, in Barcelona, and at some point, I would think Jerome Boateng is due back, and they desperately need him. I think if they do get Boateng back, then Bayern are, are the favorites again to to win. All righty. Well, uh, the last one on the on the list here, and uh, rightfully wrapping up quite an entertaining uh, quarterfinal round of the Champions League. Uh, Real Madrid heading home to the Bernabeu to face Wolfsburg, down two nil, shockingly. And uh, Justin, I think you even called the scoreline spot on when you yep. uh, wrote your blog post. Uh, Ronaldo came through with uh, two goals in within about a minute of each other in the first half, and really kind of set the pace for the game. And, and the entire game was spent just about in that third of the pitch, uh, basically attacking Wolfsburg without any kind of uh, slowing up. And, and uh, they scored the go-ahead goal and are through to the semifinals. Uh, do you think that uh, – where do you think Real Madrid fits in this equation? And, and who out of these teams remaining do you think that they will be looking to be drawn against? Justin, I'll start with you. Well, I – personally think that Real would be looking to get City. Um, I think pretty much anybody would be looking to get City. Sorry, Kyle. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, but, uh, I mean, Real are clearly uh, one of the favorites as well. I mean, uh, they've had their problems with Atleti. Um, but uh, when Ronaldo is on the form he was uh, yesterday, um Real are, are scary opposition still, uh, despite their struggles. Um, that about that about sums it up for me. Uh, Wolfsburg, nice try, but <laughs> you know you didn't really stand much of a chance. Eric, what do you have to say about the tall, tan man in white? Uh, he was absolutely sensational. Um, it's just another. This is just another show here that when Ronaldo wants to, he can still be the best player in the world. And in my opinion, one of the two best players of all time. I think that him and Messi have reached that class already. And I'm not sure if there's much disputing it. Uh, you could say Maradona and you could say Pele, but it's a completely different time. Players were nowhere near as good back in the day as they are now. And they're not consistent. Cons they're not facing consistent competition like they are now. And Messi and Ronaldo ripped through them. With that being said, all of a sudden... Ronaldo goes through a goal-scoring drought. All I hear is about how he's finished. He's done. Messi hasn't scored in five games. Where's the Where's the pub on that? And that is always 
really at the root as what bothered me about the Messi Ronaldo debate. Get on Ronaldo. That's fine. He's one of the best players in the world. He can take it. And yet Messi gets a free pass for everything. He misses a golden opportunity for Argentina against Germany in the World Cup final. Oh, he did so well to get them there. They played Iraq. If you played Iraq in the World Cup, you you don't get anything from me. You know, and then once again, in this bad run of form for Barcelona where they've almost lost the league now and they're out of the Champions League in a, in a time where they'd won 40 straight, all of a sudden, if Ronaldo does that, he's the worst player ever. He should get transferred to a lower league team in England and just go play his days there. But Messi is still some sort of golden god that can, can't be touched by things like statistics or reality, and that's what bothers me. Well, I think uh, a lot of people would argue maybe that, that Messi does more in terms of creation, but uh, I, I again, I think that's enough content to fill a whole other show. Um, well, I'll tell you so, one thing. If you give Ronaldo, Neymar, and Suarez, I bet that he gets a few more assists. Well, people argue he's got Bale and and uh, and Benzema and some others, but Bale, I, I see Bale where you're coming and from. Benzema don't make nearly the types of creative runs that Neymar and Suarez do. I see what you're coming. I see where you're coming from, and and as I said, we could probably talk for hours about that. But let's just quickly uh, do our Wagermeister weekly parlay prediction picks uh, for the upcoming games, and uh, we will get out of here and let you. And guys... only missed one game last. That's week. right. We were very close um, to to actually winning some money for once and and we'll hope that as these games become a little bit more predictable in terms of teams who do and don't have things to play for we may actually see some money by the end of the season but let's go ahead and get right underway start off with the early one on saturday we have norwich versus sunderland uh justin who do you have for this uh relegation battle uh really the probably the second or third biggest match of the weekend uh this has major major implications uh, I Sunderland just like we said earlier don't score enough goals. I, I don't think Norwich do either. Uh, this one screams draw. Oh, is it a nil nil? That's what I was thinking. I I think one one. Okay. Well, I, we'll I, I I see your sentiment. Yeah. Well, so we'll we'll mark that one down for a draw. Uh, next up we have West Brom versus Watford. Both teams are firmly in the middle of the table. Uh, Watford actually surprisingly. Uh, fallen down into 15th and are creeping towards the bottom there. But uh, given the, the lack of quality down there, I think that they're safe. Uh, Eric, who do you have winning this one? Neither. Again. I'm going to go with a draw. Um, very, West, Brom, very... West Brom already had their celebration party for not getting relegated. Just one more year under Tony the Machine Gun Pulis where they avoided that. And uh, it turns out that Watford had theirs like two days later. So they're kind of on the same page. I'm thinking maybe a little gentleman's agreement, just a, a nice one-one draw. We'll get everybody out there and back to their families. I'm pretty Excellent. excited to watch that one. Excellent. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't sense any sarcasm in that at all. Nope. Uh, <laughs> so we'll mark that down for a draw. Next up, we have Everton versus Southampton. Uh, Everton, obviously, just about in the same boat as as most of these other mid-table teams, but Southampton still a little bit of a chance to make Europa League. Uh, and may actually have something to fight for, and who have actually looked pretty decent in recent weeks. Um, I will go ahead and pick this one. Uh, I, I like Southampton to win this one, even though it's away from home at Goodison Park. Southampton have, have offered a lot more in terms of, of goal scoring for me than, than Everton have lately, and a lot more at the back with the likes of Virgil van Dijk playing very well, and, and uh, Fraser Forster, a, a, a wall and goal, and I like Southampton to win this one, so I will mark how, that down. How are Everton's fa- how, how are they favorites in that game? 
How how are Everton me. favorites ever right now? They're playing. Oh my! I just you know what? Whatever. This this <laughs> just is go a good on one for. <laughs> yeah, this is a good one to put some money maybe down on just one game and and increase your wage a little bit. But uh, but we will mark Southampton uh, as as underdogs here. Believe it or not. Uh, next up, we have Man United versus Villa. Um, I'll take it. Yeah, I will let you take this one, Eric. Uh, do you think that Manchester United can pull out a shocking victory out of this one, or will they rightfully deserve it against Aston Villa? Gosh, Manchester United at home against Villa. I'm going to go with Man U. I am so surprised to hear that. I don't even think you need to really give any explanation as to why or how you came up with that uh, astronomical prediction, but we will but mark I, it down. I will, though. Oh, to, of course you will. Cause good. Cause that's good. What, cause good. Cause, cause bad. Cause, cause bad at soccer ball. <laughs> that's, that's Aston Villa. So that okay. is, uh, that is an astute observation, Eric. <laughs> I've got, I've got Aston Villa pegged. Yeah, you that's do. You really do. That. Uh, we will uh, move on here to Newcastle United versus Swansea. Uh, Justin, I think it's your turn. Who do you have for this one? Man. Well, it's got to be uh it's got to be now for Newcastle. Um despite how atrocious they have been over the past couple of weeks, uh Swansea will take their victory over Chelsea and they will show up uh not with a bother to St. James's Super Sports Direct uh arena this week and I think Newcastle will do just little enough to get a 1-0 win. All righty. It's bold but we'll mark it down. Um Next up, the last one on on Saturday is, uh, well, used to be maybe an intriguing one and probably still could be, but uh, Chelsea hosting Manchester City, a city a lot more to play for, obviously, at this point, Um, but this one always proves to be entertaining, so I can't, well, shoot, we're pegged here. None of us can really pick this one, so I guess we'll make it democratic here. Uh, I'll go ahead and kick it off because I'm, I'm actually, well, actually, I'm a little bit hesitant to do this, but I'm feeling confident right now. And I like City to win this one away from home, but obviously that means that they probably won't win now, and I've probably just ruined the season. But I still, I'll still back my team. Um, Eric, who do you have for this one? I I don't know what to tell you. Uh, is Courtois going to play? Is Costa going to play? Is William going to play? Is Eden Hazard dead? Uh, these are all questions I don't know the answer to. But I mean, if we throw out any type of lineup like we have been in the past couple weeks, which I understand getting the youth guys in, and I get it. But in terms of picking on a betting type basis, man, the bookies must know hitting starting lineup for this weekend because the fact that Chelsea are favorites <laughs> is atrocious. Uh, if they start Miazga, they start Triori, they start the young guys, we're going to get walloped. And I fully expect Man City to win this game. Well, I guess that kind of settles it. But Justin, yeah. let's just get your thoughts. You think that City will win as well? No, Chelsea always seem to rouse themselves in certain games, and I think they could draw it, but that doesn't matter. Yep. Okay. Well, I just I was just curious. It's just uh, completely dependent on a lineup that we haven't seen yet. That's the annoying thing about betting at this time of the yep. year. Yep. Agreed. Uh. Well, that wraps up the Saturday games. Let's move on to the Sunday games real quick. Uh. We've got Bournemouth, Liverpool. Um. I will let uh Eric. I'll let you pick this one. Uh. Seeing seeing as you are are very high on Liverpool at the moment in their future, but. Uh, and you're also very high on Bournemouth at points this, during the season, but who do you have for this one? I'm going to go with Liverpool. Um, I think that it will be interesting to see the kind of lineup they put out depending on whether they win or lose against Dortmund, obviously. And uh, if they lose against Dortmund, then they'll pour all their resources 
into the rest of the Premier League season to try to earn that Europa League spot next year. But I expect Liverpool to win. I think they're the better team. I think that Liverpool should sign Matt Ritchie in the summer for 100 million euro and then become the greatest team that God has ever assembled. God being <laughs> Jurgen Klopp, of course. But uh, for this game, Liverpool. We'll go with it. All righty. Fair. I know it breaks your heart, but uh, it I, hurts. I have to agree. Um, we will move on to the second one on Sunday here. We have Leicester versus West Ham. This is a very intriguing one. Implications on both sides here. Leicester obviously fighting for the title and West Ham fighting for a fourth place spot. It'll be uh, at the King Power Stadium. Uh, Justin, who do you have for this one? This is one of the matches where I think Leicester drops points. I don't think they will drop a full three points, but I think West Ham uh, are difficult enough opponents and have played well enough away from home this season that they will get a point at the King Power. So we will say a draw for West Ham and Leicester. Um, last up, Arsenal versus Crystal Palace. Uh, Arsenal, Arsenal. Who are, Arsenal who are far enough out of the title chase, as, as Humphreys will say, to, Arsenal. to be playing very well. And Palace, who have obviously not been playing very well, only one win since January. Arsenal. Uh, we, uh, I, think, I think that speaks for itself. I think we'll mark Arsenal down for a win here at home. One of the few uh, home choices we have thus far this week um and uh you know we've picked a quite a few away victories here who have decent odds so maybe if we get some of these right that seem to be fairly straightforward we might see a lot of uh, money come next week but uh that is it for this week's show i just want to thank you guys all for joining us yet again on the fresh football cast and we look forward to bringing you another show next week uh, as always reviewing the action from this coming weekend and previewing the following week Thank you again, and this is the Fresh Football Cast signing off. Hey, everybody. We'd love to stay in contact with you guys online. Be sure to follow our Twitter and Instagram at real underscore fresh FC. That's R-E-A-L underscore F-R-E-S-H-F-C. And you can check out our Facebook page titled Fresh Football Cast. Head over there and give us a like. And you can check out our blog at www.freshfootballcast. As next time, cheers.